VA's round-the-clock hotline can put veterans who are homeless in touch with the resources and support they earned through their military service. Call 877-424-3838. Hello, everyone. This is episode 22 of This Week at VA. I'm your host, Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson. This week's episode will feature another participant in the Women's Veterans Art Exhibit. Before we get to our interview with that veteran, I want to give a quick spotlight to a cool event that occurred on Wednesday evening. Hill Vets had their Hill Vets 100 Gala near Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. The gala was in celebration to recognize the 100 people named by Hill Vets as noteworthy influencers in the veteran community. Included on the list is Secretary of Veterans Affairs David Shulkin and Marine Corps veteran Matt Steiner, who's a career employee here at VA. Also mentioned on the list were former Secretary Bob McDonald and a member of his staff, Brian Hawthorne. Considering the recognitions of current and former VA employees, along with warrior athletes that take advantage of our adaptive sports program, VA has a nice representation on the Hill Vets 100, and we want to thank Hill Vets for including our personnel and putting on a cool event that honors deserving people from within our community. To see the list in its entirety, go to hillvets.org. Today's feature interviews with Navy veteran Deborah Russell. Deborah served honorably in the Navy from 1984 to 1997. She reluctantly separated after being med-boarded from a running accident. Deborah is going to talk to us about serving in the Navy, experiencing military sexual trauma, attending her local vet center, and discovering photography and art as a way to cope. Uh, all right, everybody, we're here with Deborah Russell, a Navy veteran who uh, is one of the 10 artists, a part of the uh, Women Veterans Art Exhibit sponsored by the Center uh, for Women Veterans. Deborah, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, glad to be here. Uh, so, Deborah, we're going to start this interview with the same way we start all our interviews. One thing that we all have in common is the decision to join the United States military. You uh, joined the Navy. Bring us back to that day for you. Why did you decide to join? Well, I was in school as a single parent. I had a son, and I was um, working two jobs and trying to go to college to get a better job. And I got recruited from the bank I was working at at the time uh, by a Navy recruiter with the enticement of paying for my education. (laughs) And I needed the money. I needed the medical benefits as well. So that's why. And what what year was that? That was in 1983. 1983. I actually signed up in 83. And you know, when you're in college, you wait till the uh, summer to go to go off to boot camp. Yeah. Well, that's what I did. Very well. I'm not going to tell you that I wasn't born yet, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so 1983, um, that was a uh, relatively peaceful time um, in, for America's military. Uh, what was um, what was your experience like? Can you is there an experience you had during your service that sort of sums up um, your your tour? Well, I started out um, doing supply, basic supply. And the way they did I me, mean, they did like an own hands type deal where I took the skills, which was my skills was in money and banking, and they took it and transferred it over to logistics. And um, so I started out doing just 
basic jobs, and I worked myself up to working on the Admiral, four-star Admiral staff. And uh, I think that was like the hike of my whole career because um, it was a great job uh, working in New Orleans at the uh, headquarters for the four-star Admirals. How long were you in, from 83 to when? I actually, my duty time starts 84 to 97. 84 to 97, okay. That's, yeah, uh... I find that. In a delayed entry program. Right. Yeah. Okay. What what prompted the decision to get out? If I had a choice, I never would have gotten out. Um, I was running one morning, uh, about 5 a.m., and the female, we were running in formation, female in front of me tripped and fell, and I tr- just rolled over and messed my shoulders and my knees up, and um, I got med-boarded. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, that really got to me. And um, um, right around the same time, I wound up getting um, sexually assaulted. And so all of that compi- combined, I was um, uh, medically discharged. If you're uncomfortable talking about that uh, part of your uh, service, I understand. But did you have an opportunity to report what happened to you before you were med boarded? Well, the person had threatened me because it was a superior and they had threatened me that if I told that they were going to make it look like it was my fault. <clears throat> and um, at the time, some other females had been um, raped as well. And I was seeing what they were going through, uh, how the media and the courts and how the people were saying, well, it was your fault or what did you do? And, and I really didn't want to go through that humiliation. Yeah. Uh, I was already feeling kind of uh, self-worthlessness, and I just really um, had to deal with it. I internalized it. I even went to work and had to hear him say stuff like, um, well, you know it was your fault if you hadn't had those tight pants on. If this, it was, you know, and he, he made it all my fault. I didn't want to fight with him because I was... Th- want to be through with it. I wanted it to be over. Yeah. And so I kind of uh, blocked it for some years. Uh, I went through counseling right after then, and I continue to go through counseling for it because it's something that you try to forget, but it, it still, you know, resonates. It pops up. Yeah. Uh, you know, a question that I like to ask veterans, um, simply because I feel like so many uh, so many veterans can resonate with this, and I'm sure there's plenty of uh, both men and women that can empathize with uh, with your experience. When you, after you transitioned, did you um, did you experience any sort of emotional crisis? Yeah, I really did. I went all the way down. I went um, into a mental hospital over at um, Gulfport, Mississippi, and part of my problem was. Um, I just really couldn't deal with it at that point. It, you know, being medically discharged and all of that going on at the same time, it was very hard for me. Yeah. So I, I had a complete meltdown, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, it, it just happened. Yeah. Um, one thing that a lot of veterans uh, struggle to do after they transition is uh, finding that renewed sense of purpose. 
Um, was that a challenge that you had as well? I had that challenge for years. Um, for years, I found myself just kind of um, laying around doing nothing in the bed in pain. Um, and for years, I was on pain meds. And the pain meds was actually killing me, and I didn't know it. Um, and I found that with the pain meds, I would sleep all day because I had a lot of headaches as well. <clears throat> and I would sleep all, days upon days upon days. I would just sleep. And so some years passed, and one day I said to myself, out of all this knowledge that you have, um, what is this worth? You know, I went, wind up going through some paperwork and looking at my skills and looking at who I was before this and, <clears throat> excuse me, and I realized that everything I had done and all of that I had prepared for and all the college and all the school was nothing. And so I felt like a, a worthless in a, in, in, a, in a sense. And so um still continuing to go through counseling um, and then talking to my counselor, but trying to be very honest with him. He said to me, you know, you tend to um, take care of everybody else, you know, and not yourself. And he had heard me say I wanted to, um, I eventually had wanted to get a master's degree. And um, he said to me, uh, why don't you do something about that? Well, it was after 10 years then. So, you know, there was no money available for, for that, for rehab, because I was past that point. So um, I just pushed it last year. I I was starting to go backwards. And so one of the things I did for myself was to go over there to that college and see what I could get in to try to get a bachelor's and a master's. And I applied for a scholarship, and luckily I got it for that semester. And so I just started back to school. And and going to school is, is a twofold purpose for me. One purpose is to get out of the house to do something to increase my self-esteem. The other purpose was... Um, well, I guess that's the whole thing, to try to do something besides just staying in the bed, staying in the house, and just at, at a dead end, and try to change that. So I'm back in school. <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm not struggling. I'm still <laughs> struggling. I mean, God, I said to myself, why did you do this? You're almost years And one of the things that also helped me, was I got into some um, female veteran trauma group. I got in a veteran female trauma group. And um, I shared things that I, I guess I stuffed for years. Yeah. Um, I shared those things, and I, and I was surprised. I wind up getting picked up for the Telling Project. You heard of that? Yeah, I've heard of the Telling Project, yeah. Okay, I wind up getting picked up for that. And so when um, Max wrote my, did my interview, and, um, you know, you, you, you're on the, on the camera and you're really just answering questions like I am now. Well, he pulled out some points that I had told him about uh, sexual trauma and stuff like that. 
and he wrote the story based on that. And um, for like 90 days, we was drill, 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 you know, telling our story. And one thing I had to realize in that was I never told my family about that. So even my mother, my son, and I would say, well, you never told us anything about you being sexually traumatized. Well, it was something that I really had stuffed. I wanted to forget it. So it was a part of my mind I was blocking out because I really didn't want to go there. So talking to other females who had also gone through the same thing kind of helped me to want to help somebody else maybe that had gone through that. And so um, going to the veteran um, female group, and the other thing was going through to the veterans photography group. When I first got out, I went to school for photography, but I wound up realizing that because of my sicknesses and stuff, I really couldn't set appointments. So, um, but with this veterans photography group, I had a chance to go back and look at some of the pictures that I had taken. And, you know, they would say, go in and look and see, can you find some kind of picture when you come next week, you know, bring some pictures. And I started going through pictures, and then we started sending them to different um, places. And I won. I was shocked. (laughs) (laughs) I was literally shocked. I uh, got into a women's art show um, last year. And it was the first time that I had displayed some of my art. And it really made me feel like I was somebody again. Um, You know, because it was a whole new venture, you know. So um, do, sending to the um, this particular art show was my second time to put some of my stuff in something, and it and it won. And I'm like, whoa! <laughs> I'm still shocked about that, but okay. It gave me a sense of pride. It kind of renewed something in me, you know, yeah. that had been kind of just put aside, and. Um, so that's that's kind of my story with that. Let's talk about the um, about the the women's art exhibit that's going on now. Um, I'll have a picture of your uh, piece in the show notes to this podcast. But for the audience listening right now, can you sort of sort of describe what your piece is? I have one piece in there. Um, I have a female dance, and maybe that's the one you have. Yep. Um, in the red dress? And, yes. Yeah. Um, I had got invited to take some pictures at a, um, a production called Our Voices of Many. And um, for some reason, I, got, I had my camera stuck on this female who was dancing. Matter of fact, that's just one of her pictures. I kind of enjoy seeing the twirls and... And I just laid on the shuttle. Da, 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 da. Anyway, um, that piece to me, the way she's stretching her hands out, it's like she's reaching for God. And so I always refer to that as um, uh, 
part of me because I was reaching out like for help and reaching out for something. And so it's like God took my hand, you know, uh, in the midst of all of the troubles I was going through and kind of just pulled me up. So that piece kind of represents um, my coming up out of my uh, troubles, as you, if you could say. Sure. What, um, I mean, <clears throat> what sort of things inspire your photography uh, in general? Do you often look for movement like in this dancer or what usually attracts you? I, li- I like movement, but I also enjoy landscapes hmm. uh, very much. Living in, in Pensacola, um, you have a lot of water and, you know, living in this area, most of the time you have a lot of sky. There was one piece in there. I had went to my first veterans retreat down in Destin on the seventh floor. I'm looking at the news, and there, and uh, they says um, there's a tornado. Of course, silly me, run and get my camera <laughs> and go out to <laughs> see if I could see a tornado, which I did see the water spout, and above it there was a perfect eye form. Hmm. I took it. I took the picture and I was like, looked at it, I said, wow, you know, and I see things. What I do is I take pictures. I see one thing, but then when I look at them later, I see other things. Yeah. And that kind of like gives me this sense of, okay, let me see what I'm going to see next in this. So that particular picture showed an eye, and I, I sent that one as well. I don't know if you have a copy of that. Um, no, I don't. I, I only have the one of the red dress. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only one they display. Mm-hmm. But um, I sent several other pictures, and they were pretty much landscapes. Yeah. Because w- what I did is I went through my pictures, and I said, okay, what would go good on a VA wall? Or what would, you know, and so I, I picked a lot of landscapes. Sunrise. I like to get up early and get a sunrise. Sunsets. Beautiful stuff. I like beauty. But what I find in photography most of the time you wind up taking a lot of pictures of people, which, you know, as I go through my stuff, I say, I see people and I see their expressions and it's a lot um, to, to see different expressions. But for me, my biggest thing is, and I had to learn a lesson from this, consumed and taking pictures, especially on a beautiful place, uh, wherever I travel, I try to find beauty and just, you know, I get absorbed to the point that I have to have someone with me because once I get my eye behind the camera, I, I forget about my whole surrounding. I just get absorbed into that. And it and it, what it does for me, it blocks out everything else, which that's maybe good, maybe bad, but it blocks out everything else because... For that time, my mind is focused on that picture or that scene. And so my pain, I forget it. You know, I just kind of block everything else out. I guess I got a one-track mind, I guess you could say. Do you find any any disciplines or talents or skill sets or anything that you learn from the military influencing uh, the way you approach art and photography? Yes, I do. The military had a thing where they, you know, we strive for perfection. 
So with photography, I look at different pictures and I look for perfection. I look for content that will help somebody or um, that's, I guess that's why I'm so open to landscapes because, you know, especially a sunrise, how much peace it would give me. And like with, with the military, um, at some point I had all peace, you know, never expected anything to happen. And then all of a sudden it did, but I had comfort. I, I enjoyed my military career. I really enjoyed it. And so trying to be that, working on a four-star staff, you know, you got to be top-notch, um, kind of always dress right dress, you know. And so um, I guess I have that expectancy in everything else now in photography, even even with dealing with people. Um, there's still that, that want to be that pride in my work. Yeah, I like that. Are you still, um, do you still see um, any sort of counseling for yourself? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Is it? Yeah. Where do you get that provided at? Well, I uh, have two counselors. I have a counselor at the Veterans, uh, at the VA here. Um, and I also have a counselor at the Vets, and I have a male counselor. And I have a female counselor. The vet center provides more like group-like settings. And so a lot of times, you know, when I'm really going through or something like that, I'll, uh, and I need to talk, I can, um, I have regular counseling sessions with my VA counselor. But if I need additional time, he'll let me come in and we'll discuss what's going on and he'll try to direct me or help me. One of my biggest things is failure. When I try to advance myself or when I try to do something and it doesn't go through, it and that failure part of it, it, it gets to me. So the counselor kind of motivates me and pushes me to let it go. And I do. When I go to uh, the vet center, we have uh, I have a counselor Janine there, and you know she just talks to me. What's going on, Deb? And you know, and um, kind of let you get it out, as opposed to what I was doing, just stuffing, stuffing, stuffing. And the longer you stuff all of these feelings, the more it makes you feel worse and cause some other sicknesses. So I've learned that when I get really um, bogged down, anxious, or just can't feel like I can't go any further. Going to having a counselor to go talk to helps you to go forth. You know what I mean? I'm curious with the with the, with the type of counseling that they can provide their approach to uh, to counseling you. Is there? Do you notice a difference in what you get from your female counselor versus what you get from your male counselor? Yes. The female counselor, she's over the sexual trauma group, and she recognizes all of the stuff, you know, as a group of us, that females, things that we go through as females, she can identify yeah. closer. 
Now, my male counselor, he really, he goes into it all, you know. Uh, if I could say, he deals more with um, the overall counseling as opposed to just the sexual trauma. The female counselor, she deals with, I'm in her sexual trauma group. So we mostly deal with um, what sexual trauma has done to me. As far as I have this problem with um, uh, being being um, non-submitted, I guess people tend to uh, would uh, tend to use me in a sense, and it was that part of me that I lost um, that I don't have that fight. I don't know if I I'm exp- I don't have that fight to if 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 you come to me with a fight, instead of me fighting, I'll walk away and just go shut down in my own shell. Hmm. And she she tells me, uh, instead of me blaming myself for what happened, she motivates me by saying, it wasn't your fault. You know, don't let it take you down. You know, she, 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 she presses more at the... Um, inner feelings that I'm having. Now, my male counselor, he kind of stay um, general, if I could say, overall. He deal with more of my pain, um, how am I dealing with my pain. If I have any problems at the VA, he looking in my file, and he may say to me, I saw you saw the doctor today, and what is that all about? What are you going through? How do you feel? How is it... How did they treat you? How do you feel? You know, whereas the female counsel more deal with what the sexual trauma does to me and how it shapes me. Deborah, I'm uh, a question I like to ask veterans is: um, Is there one or two veterans in the veteran community that you particularly admire or look up to or are excited about what they're doing in our community? I could say that I'm really excited about what the vet center provides for the community. Okay. Because they always have some kind of outreach program. Or they always have some kind of um sponsor some kind of um wellness activities. Um they even go as far as to do things like take the the veterans out to we went to horse therapy, which I never liked the horse, but I got, I got into that with my camera because <laughs> yeah. I could look in the horse's eyes and take pictures and stuff. So even though I don't particularly care for animals, I was still able to relate um, in the therapy. And then they go, um, like I say, photography therapy, and it, it gives you an outing where you would go out in the community and, and as a group. Of people, so I really um, think that a lot of people don't even know about the vet center and what they have to offer. But they're getting more out into the community and making themselves available for veterans. Um, Deborah, I really appreciate you talking to my audience um, about what you experienced and about your artwork and um, and what you're gaining from your uh, your counseling and and most of all, thank you for your service to our country. Thank you. Thank you as well.
getting out of the military, I was missing this camaraderie. It's frustrating when you try and talk to people that don't understand. I still had the anger, I still had the addictions, but we didn't talk about that. Came to a point where it's like, okay, I really need to talk to somebody about this. Family more or less encouraged me, you know, go, go to the VA. It's okay to go get help. It's okay to talk to people because it takes true strength to ask for help. Hear veterans' real stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. As we continue through Women's History Month and spotlights of amazing women veterans, I want to continue to mention great resources that VA offers them. First, there's the Center for Women Veterans. Led by Army veteran Kayla Williams, the Center for Women Veterans continues to advocate for women in the veteran space as it pertains to honoring their service and ensuring they receive the benefits and treatment they deserve at VA. Deborah mentioned many times in her interview that she uses the local vet center for counseling. I've mentioned that many times, and here it is again. This is a great resource provided by VA and one that is not talked about often enough. Vet centers provide a number of benefits to veterans, including counseling and outreach. Vet centers are available for combat veterans and veterans that have experienced military sexual trauma. Visit vetcenter.va.gov for more information and to locate a vet center near you. Today's Veteran of the Day is Ralph Malachias Gaskin. He served in the Army as an 11 Bravo Infantry and 68 Whiskey Healthcare Specialist. He deployed in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation New Dawn. Thank you for your service, Malachias. To read his full write-up and to nominate your own Veteran of the Day, visit blogs.va.gov. That wraps up episode 22. Thank you for listening. I know there are a lot of options out there for entertainment, so I appreciate you spending your time listening to these powerful veteran stories. Be sure to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash veteransaffairs for more stories from our community. If you have any questions you'd like to have addressed here on the show, tweet them to us using hashtag VA podcast or email us newmedia at va.gov. I'm Timothy Lawson signing off. <music> <laughs>